you would grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, I had, uh, I preached a message out of Mark chapter 6 last week on come apart. We're going to go back to Mark chapter 6 and we're going to do an entirely different message out of Mark chapter 6 and I saw something in there that got my brain kind of turning a little bit and had a thought about some things and started looking at some things and wasn't sure uh, if it was going to be something. And uh, anybody who's done some messages or tried to work up some lessons or things like that, you, you get a thought and you go, I don't know if that means anything, all right? Uh, and sometimes it means absolutely nothing and you go, I don't know why that's in there. Uh, but other times, the uh, Lord gives you some cool things. So uh, if you like this, uh, the Lord gave me some cool things. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, this was unimpressive. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse number 7. Uh, and he called, of course, that's Jesus. He called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only. No script, no bread, no money for their, in their purse, uh, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, And what uh, place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall, shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Um, and so here, uh, the Lord is going ahead and he's sending out his disciples. He sent them out two by two uh, and, and he sends them out. And when he sends them out, he's uh, oddly particular about some weird things, right? He purposely tells them uh, they're not supposed to take a script. They're not supposed to take bread. They're not supposed to take money in their, they're not supposed to take certain things with them. They're not supposed to have two coats. They're just supposed to wear the one they got on. They're supposed to have the sandals on their feet, nothing extra. They're taking nothing extra, ultimately. And he does tell them to take one thing in particular. And he says, in verse number 8, he said uh, that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only. Isn't that, is that weird to anybody else but me? I thought that was weird. Uh, and so I got thinking about it. And I, then I got thinking about our commands. Right, you get to Matthew chapter 28, right? We have the Great Commission. We call it the Great Commission, right? And the Lord tells us to go into all the world and preach the... Well, that's Mark 16, sorry. Uh, he, he tells us that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to preach and we're supposed to teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you and lo, I'm with you always. He tells us to go. Uh, but we don't wear, you know, the one coat and the sandals, he tells us, Ephesians chapter 6, right? We're supposed to put on the whole armor of God because we're in a battle. Uh, and so we're supposed to be uh, putting on the armor of God and we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we've got the armor on us. And uh, the thing that we take is we take, not a staff, but we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Are, are we still following? I'm not too weird, am I? Right? Uh, but I got thinking about this staff thing. You know, what in the world's going on? Uh, they're commanded to bring a staff. You and I are commanded to bring the sword of the Spirit. 
Uh, they're commanded to go ahead and you know have just the one coat, put your sandals on, head out the door, don't take anything extra. We're told, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, right? And so we got these, we got these two comparatives I got thinking about, and I got thinking about the staff that shows up throughout the Bible, and there's different things, and I'm not going to be able to go to all the verses. Uh, some of them don't really work in this message anyways, uh, right? You know, I mean, we're not cutting, cutting our uh, band of beautiful in half, and you know, and, you know. anyways, uh, the staff, which is called beautiful, cutting in half and dividing the nation, and you know, we're not doing that one, all right? That one's not on my list tonight. Um, but I thought, you know, interestingly, uh, the staff is used in a certain way. Now, uh, some people want to say, well, the rod and the staff are the same thing. Except that thy rod and thy staff, they come, there's two of them in the same list, all right? When that happens, uh, it's kind of like the vestures are not the garments because they're listed differently. Like, there's certain things in the Bible. He purposely separates them. The rod was there for, uh, uh, basically, it's, it's an authority. It's a protection it's a beaten stick, right? That's what it's for. Uh, it's, to help, it's to help that way. But the staff was multifaceted, right? It wasn't just the one purpose thing, you know? It wasn't there to go ahead and, and knock on people. It was instead uh, for the shepherd, right? It's got the crook at the end. It's supposed to be able to help guide the sheep and pull them back from danger. It had different uses. Uh, Balaam uses it when he's riding on his donkey, right? He's riding and the angel of the Lord gets in front of him. And he's got a sword out, and the donkey stops, and Balaam hits, the, hits him with a staff. That's what he used. Uh, it has different uses. That's for, you know, keeping him in line. It do, does some of the same purposes that that rod did, but it had extra things that it could do, and it was there as a sign toward the shepherd of what he's going to do. It's more of the shepherd's tool. Now, the shepherd had the rod to protect the sheep, but he had the staff. The staff was usually used when in relation with the sheep. And so I got thinking, boy, he gives these guys, a, he tells them, make sure you take your staff with you. I'm sending you on a mission. Don't forget your staff. And so tonight I want to preach on don't forget your staff. And for us, it's not the staff, right? It is the sword of the Spirit. And you'll notice there's, I'm going to give you four situations. The Lord has these staffs. He purposely used that word. He purposely chose it. And I think it's, it's pretty interesting where he used it in certain respects. And so uh, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll kind of look at this. And it's cool to me, and it was helpful to me, and so I'm hoping it's the same for you tonight. Lord, I thank you for the night, and I thank you for bringing us in safely. Father, what a wonder it is to have a God who cares about our safety day in and day out. Uh, Lord, we love you. We pray you'd help us tonight to be able to maybe see some things or notice some things or get some help uh, in a way maybe we didn't expect to tonight. But, Father, you know exactly what's going on, and so... We pray you would bless the night. Help me to say uh, everything just the right way. Father, Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up and he'd be praised. And Lord, we pray you would bless the night again in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. That'll be the first one. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And outside of one reference that I'm going to give you tonight... I think all these references are kind of odd. They're kind of, they're, they're just kind of odd. I think you'll see what I mean by it. Um, but they're very fitting. They're very fitting. I just think it's odd that he chose the word it the way that he does. All right? And so here we are in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 21. 
right? We have the, the, the hall of faith. He's going over things that guys have done in the past through faith. And he says in verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. That's kind of strange, right? We know, we know what's happening back there in Genesis, right? He's giving out the blessings and he's going to bless Joseph's two children, Ephraim and Manasseh, right? And he gets the hand switch and the, the whole thing, right? He does everything the way he's supposed to. And he's got, you know, Joseph's kind of upset about it. And, and he's like, don't worry, I know what I'm doing, right? Uh, he gets it right. Uh, but he does that and he says that he did that and he worshiped the Lord leaning upon the top of his staff. You know, I don't think you and I know the right way to worship and to bless the Lord without the Word of God. How do you know what He likes and He doesn't like? How do you know how to praise Him for His goodness and for His marvelous works toward the children of men? How do you know, how do you know what great things the Lord hath done if you don't even figure out what He's done? Uh, we don't understand His blessing. How's He supposed to give out the blessings to those kids if He doesn't know what the Lord wanted Him to tell them? Isn't it true? Isn't the prophecies that Jacob has given out that day, or doesn't he fulfill? The Lord fulfills those prophecies. He fulfills them perfectly because he's the one who told Jacob what to say. <laughs> say, what did he have? He had the word of God. He spoke it in a prophecy that day. He gave them the blessing from God. You realize you and I have no idea what to say pastor was up preaching this morning. I was over in Chile preaching this morning. Brother Don was doing Sunday school over here. We had all the Sunday school teachers out there doing all their things and everybody's up and you've got pulpits around this country and around the world that have been preaching. And there may not be as many as there used to be, but there's still guys out there and they're preaching the word of God and they're getting up every Sunday and they're doing exactly what we do and they get up and they preach, right? Who told them how to do that and who told them what to say? Tell you what, it wasn't my wisdom that chose what I was preaching over there. I had no clue. We work on things and we, we try to study. We try to do the best we can. We try to figure it out, right? And Lord goes, I, how many times do you end up, Pastor Latest, some of the other guys, uh, you're working on something, and Lord just scraps the thing. Like, you hit a stone wall and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And Lord gives you something entirely different, changes everything up, and he gives you just exactly what is needed because he knows what's needed. I don't know what's needed. I don't know what to preach. Uh, you can go ahead and try and logically figure it out if you want to, but you can, you'll, you'll mess it up eventually, uh, and you'll mess it up pretty hard. That's what will happen. We can't figure out how to give people a blessing. I can't, I can't figure it out, not by my own logic. We pray about it. We seek the, the face of the Lord. We try to figure out what he would want us to say and how he wants us to say it and all the things. I purposely, some of the guys in the preaching class know, my notes are very limited. Uh, they're bare bones compared to most guys. So why do you do that? Because I don't want it to be me. I find when I write out too much stuff, it becomes me. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, you say, well, what do you think of somebody else who writes more? I think they do it the way the Lord told them to do it. That's fine for them. I don't care. But for me, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to limit me. Because if I go ahead and I keep writing out all the words that I want to say, it's going to become me. <laughs> and I'm going to figure it out. And uh, that's just how I am. I don't know how to bless anybody outside of the Scriptures. What does God say about it? 
Well, what does God say about worship? Well, how do I know what music to listen to? He tells you. He, you can understand it. Well, I don't understand that part. Then ask somebody who does. Get in the book. It talks about what music pleases him. It talks about what your own day-to-day life pleases him and worships him. Uh, sadly, we think that worship is contained to the four walls of this building. When the truth is your worship is every bit of every day that you have on the face of this earth. You're here to please him. You were made to please him. That is Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power on Sunday morning between the hours of... No, we were created for thy pleasure. We are and we're created. That's why we're here. And it's not, it's not a segregated window. And we lose that day to day, you know what we get? We get to praise the Lord for his goodness and his marvelous works toward the children of men. We get to praise him at home and at work and at Walmart and at the gas station when you're paying that much. And, and you get to praise him and praise him and praise him and give him worship. How do you know how to do that? Doesn't the Bible tell you how to do that? Doesn't it instruct us on that He is worthy to be praised no matter what happens? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's part of worship. A sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to Him. Sacrifices are part of worship. Uh, By the way, uh, the sacrifice of your lips is to praise Him. That's why you ought to say it. And why you ought to sing it. I'm not going to get too much into the music side, but you ought to sing his praises. You say, I don't sing real well. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so I have, two, I have two references that I'll give you real quick. Uh, one says that you all know is make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Right? And he talks about singing right afterwards. But when he wants you to play, all right, I love, we have, right, we have, I don't know how many pianists we have in the church now. I mean, we have, we have so many, I don't even know who's supposed to do it and who's not supposed to be doing it, when they're doing it and everything. I don't know. Uh, I just, I'm just glad we can just keep pulling people up here and just throwing them at a piano. Like we have 24 people out that can play the piano. Don't worry, number 25 is coming to play. Um, right? I mean, but you, you know what I don't want? You know what you don't want? You don't want me playing the piano. You don't want me over here on the organ. Gwen definitely doesn't want me to touch her violin, I'll tell you that. Uh, they don't want, you, you don't want me doing any of that. Why? I have no skill. That's why he tells you to play skillfully. <laughs> you don't have to sing skillfully, but you better play skillfully, all right? Uh, but when you're praising him, you know what you get to do? You get to be with a loud voice. You can be loud and be lousy, all right? The Lord doesn't care because you're his creature and you, you, you were created and you were his. And you know what he wants? He wants your praise. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in the choir, but that does mean we're doing congregationals. Everybody's covering you up. Don't worry. It's fine. You can praise him over and over and over again. You know, it's funny the things that people worship and they praise and they don't even realize that it's going against everything that God told them to do. Because they don't, they don't grab their staff and figure out what it is. You know, 
You say, well, why is the Bible so important in the, in the preaching and giving out the, the, you know, and doing all the things? You realize that was when he was leaning upon the top of his staff. We sing a song, Standing on the Promises, that cannot fail. You know what he's doing? He's putting all of his trust on that staff. All of our trust goes into that the word of God is right. And we proclaim it and we preach it and we preach it and we teach it and we do everything we can to try and obey it. And we do all, why do we do all that? Because that's part of the worship of who he is. Uh, the idea of that the, the wonderful, wonderful contemporary movement is, right, you have the worship and the word. You have no worship without the Word of God. Those are not separate things. <laughs> you realize the reason you have so many. I'm gonna. I'm getting off on this, and I'm. I gotta get off of this. Um, but the reason you our hymns are so particular is because of how much doctrine is built into them, how much scripture is built into them, how much truth is built into them that you don't find in the music that doesn't match that. And it's all built. And without the Word of God, you don't have those hymns to sing really because they don't have any of those things if it's not good doctrine it's not good singing that's just anyways i'm gonna get off on some things and so we're gonna go back to second samuel chapter 23 so that i move on all right all your worship all of your praise all of the blessings that you give ought to be grounded and leaning upon the certainty that is your staff the word of god you ought to be able to just keep leaning on that. Well, the world doesn't, and well, you know, everybody else is, that doesn't matter. Your staff had not moved. It's still the same. 2 Samuel 23. He says, uh, in verse number 20, right, you've got David's mighty men. I love David's mighty men. But you get to verse number 20, you have Benaiah, Right? Benaiah does some great things, but verse number 21, he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. You know what's funny? That's, isn't that a weird weapon to take down? You're like, oh, let me grab this staff here. I'll take on this gigantic Egyptian dude with... Uh, his gigantic spear, I will go ahead and go down there with my staff. Everything's fine. I wasn't going to have you turn here, but turn here because I want you to see it. That I'm not making this up. Turn over to 1 Samuel 17. I told you there's some weird spots, all right? This is one of those weird spots where I'm like, huh? I've never seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Look at 1 Samuel 17. David and Goliath, right? We're getting ready for the battle. Look at verse number 40. David, in verse number 39, puts off Saul's armor because he hasn't proved it. He puts it off, verse number 40, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. What? Now, I know David did not kill Goliath with his shepherd's staff, all right? But he had it. Isn't that amazing? 
Uh, by the way, uh, you ought to have your staff when you go into battle. It ought to be there. Sadly, Christians oftentimes go into a fight and uh, they didn't have their sword. <laughs> they didn't have any weapon. Sometimes it's because they forget they're in a fight. They forget all about it. They go, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to go again. Uh, I showed up, and I was mentioning this, uh, I, think, I think, to Michael. Um, he asked me how it went this morning. Weirdest thing. Uh, Brother Joe is going to be super happy this has never happened to him. Uh, we're here at the, uh, I'm there at the service. We're singing the last hymn before I'm going to preach, Victory in Jesus. We sang it again tonight. Uh, I didn't choose the songs. Brother Andrew did. Um, but... Uh, we're singing victory in Jesus. We're on the last verse. All of a sudden, weird popping and crackling, and I thought it was a voice coming out of the speaker. Like weird, just, you know, voice coming out of the speaker. And so it went silent, and we had finished singing, so nobody thought much of it. And Brother Gary went to go do the announcements, and all of a sudden, pop, crackle, and then voice of some guy just talking. And then pop, crackle, and the voice of a second guy talking. And somehow... They had gotten either a walkie-talkie or a CB frequency that crossed over onto one of their wireless mics that was in the building. And let me tell you, that was weird. All right? And so away, away I go, because nobody's in the sound booth. Brother Chad's out of town. He normally knows what's going on back there. Nobody's in the sound booth. So I walk back and just shut it off. I said, I don't know what else to do. Uh, I'm not going to sit back here and try and figure out all of your weirdness. Uh, but everybody in the room, you say, what is that? That's spiritual. And everybody in the room is going, oh, that's just so weird. No, no, that's, that's so spiritual. That's the devil doing what he does. I mean, you've got to figure the weirdness, and, and this is not to make me special. I don't mean it that way. Because uh, the Lord does this for over and over again. Brother James is home vomiting. <laughs> right? I'm not going there. I'm not going to Chilai. Oh, wait, now I'm going to Chai Lai. And now the Lord's got to give me a message, and I've got to figure out what I'm doing. And I'm praying and praying and praying. And the speakers are going nuts. And I'm still trying to figure out what I'm preaching because I'm, I'm not certain that I know what I'm doing yet, right? Because uh, I want to make sure, because I know what's happening. You see, whatever the Lord wants me to preach is so important to Him at that particular moment, and somebody else knows that it's important at that moment. And it's all blowing up. And everybody's distracted and nobody knows what's going on. And there's some demon fly that's been in that building. They told me it's been four weeks. Four weeks, one fly. They're serious. They go, we can't find another fly in the entire building. But that fly, we cannot kill. We cannot get it. And it's hit everybody who's preached in the pulpit for four weeks has gotten hit in the face with that fly. I kept the streak alive, all right? Just so you know, I got, boom, right in the middle of What's happening? There's a spiritual warfare happening. It's all distraction. It's all somebody trying to distract and pull away and try and make it so somebody doesn't get what God wants them to get so that they don't engage and they don't understand. And you say, what'd you do? I said, Lord, you need to keep this fly away from me because I need I, whatever's going on. I didn't get bothered by that fly the entire rest of the day. You say, well, that's because you're, you know, no, that's because I asked the Lord to take care of it. He took care of it so they could get what they need. Uh, it's amazing to me that Christians can't figure out that they're in a battle. 
and you're in a battle 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you sit home on your couch, you know where you are? You're still in a battle. And that's, where, that's usually the place the devil gets to you. Your flesh is relaxed, your, your spiritual armor is down, and your flesh gets to rear up, and the devil gets to tempt, and the devil does, and then you go ahead and give in because you aren't thinking of all the verses you memorized at Vacation Bible School this week. <laughs> You're not thinking of all the verses that you should have memorized because you know what your faults are, and you should have had them in, and you'd have a weapon in the battle, but you left off the armor. You stopped trying to memorize verses to combat what you do and where you fail and the weak points in your life. You don't have, I don't have to worry about your weak points. I have to worry about mine. I don't need to, I don't need to memorize, you know, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is, I've never had a drink. I, I, I'm not tempted by that. But instead, there's temptations you and I have. You know what we need to have? Uh, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Have no dealings with an angry man and with a furious man. Thou shalt not go. Say, what are those? Those are verses for me. Verses for me. To do what? To fight a battle. Because either you're going to fight the battle and you're going to use your staff or you're going to lose. And you're going to lose over and over again. Even, even Benaiah knew to fight the Egyptian, he needed his spear, or he needed his staff to go down and take that guy's spear. David goes out, he goes, oh, that armor's not good for me. I, I can't use that. I haven't proved that. But don't worry, I've got my staff with me. I'll be okay. Oh, look, there's some stones. Oh, look, I'll go kill a giant. Look over at Psalm 23. The obvious one, okay? Let's get the obvious one now out of the way. I like Brother Bob's testimony, by the way. Brother Bob, you might like this right here, okay? Might tack this on to, to your thoughts, all right? Psalm 23, right? We all know Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leaveth me beside the stool. Look down at verse number uh, uh, four. Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Look what he brings, though. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We get into our valleys, we get into our troubles, there's some great words of benefit if you'd go ahead and open up a Bible. At the times when he takes you from the valley and he puts you right up on top of a mountain and you didn't even know you were there. Right, Bob? <laughs> It's amazing to me how comforting it is to be able to turn to the Scriptures, and if nothing else comforts you, you recognize the fact that there's a day coming that a trumpet sounded and we're gone. Uh, it, it may be that just it's a new body. <laughs> hey, I don't have to deal with the pain and the problems. I don't have to deal with my mind failing and not remembering, and, and I don't have to worry about my flesh failing me again and me messing this up and me going ahead and sinning in a place. I'm gonna, there, you realize there is a time that you and I will never sin ever again? There's, I, that'll pick you up, uh, right? I mean, I'm tired of failing. Aren't you tired of failing? I just get tired of failing. I get tired of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, thinking the wrong thing, going the wrong place, doing the wrong, and the Lord goes, don't worry, I'll take care of that problem too. Eventually, that, that will never happen again. 
It may happen again tomorrow, but it's not going to happen after a trumpet sounds. Uh, I will never fail him again. There's certain benefits you and I understand, realize. He says, hey, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. The promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, that's comforting. So many times we feel alone in our battles. So many times we feel alone in trying to get things. And sometimes we just feel so worn down and so alone. And we feel like nothing's going to go our way and everything's terrible. And then you recognize that God's still with me. He hasn't left me. Everybody else may leave me, but he hasn't left me. How many times do we turn to the scriptures and over and over and over again, it has all the right things just in time. And you and I, we can go ahead and we can force some things, right? We can try and say some things to make somebody feel better, right? The, the ever-present, well, brother, all things work together for good, right? And how somebody hasn't gotten hit right after they say that, I don't know. Um, there's some, I'm, I'm going to be honest, somebody's going through it, don't go with that one. All right, choose something else. Find some other great words of wisdom, all right? Because you know what they're thinking? They're thinking, I know that verse, and right now it doesn't feel like everything's so good, so how about you leave me alone, right? Isn't that what you think if somebody says that to you? You're struggling, you're going through Why are you going with that, right? You know that's going to bother you, uh, right? That's going to bother them just like it would have bothered you if somebody said it when you were in their mess, all right? Encourage them. I'm all for encouraging them. But maybe say, hey, Lord's with you, don't worry, he'll get you through. That's a whole lot better than just all things work together for good. So, Yeah, sometimes all things work together for good because you die and he takes you in a rapture or something, you know. Uh, that might be, that's when all things are working together for good, when you finish your course with joy. <laughs> but some days, you know what it is? Hey, Lord's still with me. He hasn't left me. He hasn't left me. Thy rod and thy staff, they... They come from me. You know, it's comforting to know, uh, you know, somebody gets the idea, well, the rod, you know, that's the, that's the beaten stick. Yeah, but usually that was the beaten stick for the enemy. That's, that's where the lion and the bear get killed. With what? With the rod. That's not for you and I. Say, so, yeah, but whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That's the staff. The rod's for the enemy, but the staff, the staff is whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Yeah, but if you receive not chastisement, then are you bastards and not sons. It's a good thing he gave you some chastening with that staff to come and draw you back in and keep you safe and close. Isn't that a comfort that he wants to keep you close? I could go longer, but I won't. Last one, Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. I know I've been nice and calm for most of the message. I'll no longer be nice and calm. Exodus chapter 12. What's happening in Exodus chapter 12? Passover, right? Children of Israel, right? Take a lamb, take the lamb, take your lamb. Go ahead and sacrifice it. You know what's funny? Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet. Huh. Oh, and your staff in your hand. 
and you're going to eat it in haste because it's the Lord's Passover. Why? Because the Lord's about to bring you out of Egypt. You say, what do you need? Uh, you better start hanging on to the Word of God and remember, hey, guess what? That's the only thing that's going to make sure that I remember to look on to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He's the reason I'm going to remember, hey, redemption is drawing nigh. It's about time to go. And when we get ready to go, don't let off on that staff. You hold on to that because that's supposed to come with you. That's supposed to be the thing that carries you right on through, right up to the end and make sure, hey, guess what? Don't forget your staff. I'm coming back to get you. Don't forget your staff. I'm not leaving you in Egypt, all right? Joseph gave commandment, what? That his bones wouldn't be left in Egypt. He goes, hey, I know we're getting out of Egypt. Don't leave me behind. Or says, hey, don't forget, you go to eat the Passover, gentlemen. Go ahead, grab your staff, be ready, because we're getting out of here. We're close. We've already gotten to eat and partake of a Passover. The Lord Jesus Christ became our Passover. And he's promised today when you and I don't stay here in Egypt. The, wor the world will be gone, you and I will be gone. We'll be out of here. The Lord says, hey, uh, don't leave off the staff. When you're going ahead and eating, and when you're going ahead and getting ready, and when you're going ahead and thinking of the day when he's going to come and get you out of Egypt, don't leave this book off. Keep thinking about it, keep reading it, keep going. Why? Because one day he's going to sound a trumpet, you and I are going to be gone, and uh, I would hate to stand in front of him. Having not read it. Didn't have the staff in your hand. When? When he decided to show up get you out of Egypt God forbid we leave that laying aside because we know he's coming he's coming you know what we need we need to keep our staff with us I'm encourage you tonight don't don't forget your staff <laughs> he goes hey guys I'm gonna send you out two and two and you guys are gonna go don't take anything else uh, but by the way uh, don't forget the staff go ahead grab that on your way out I think too many Christians are suffering because they've forgotten all about the staff. They haven't grabbed the sword of the Spirit. They have no idea how to worship. They have no idea how to battle. They have no idea how to uh, get through all the troubles and the valleys. They have no idea how to go ahead and get out of this world right and to leave this world right. Instead, they try to exist through this world and try to just suffer their way through and act like everything is terrible. And the Lord says, wait a minute, I got a staff. It'll come for you, it'll take care of you, it'll meet all your... It. But too many people leave it. Go say, hey, take your staff with you. We're going to walk out of here in just a few minutes. I'll tell you this, take your staff with you. By that I mean, don't leave your Bible at church. I feel weird finding people's Bibles, right? Isn't that weird? Isn't it funny that you would leave that behind and then not notice your staff is missing all week? Say, does that happen? Yeah. I'm all right if I get a phone call immediately. <laughs> Pastor, I left my Bible. You still there? I've gotten those. But too many times, you know what you find? I've got stacks of Bibles people have left here. Some with no names. By the way, I almost forgot, uh, Tuesday... On the back benches, out by the playground, me and the deacons were walking through. We'd had all that rain on Monday, Tuesday. You know what I found? We found a Bible sitting on a bench. 
It used to be nice Bible. Looked pretty good. It's in the office, by the way. I don't know if it's totally dry yet. I kept turning the pages to get it to open up in different areas so it would dry better. No name in it. I don't know whose it is. It's a brown leather. I don't know what it was, but it's back there. Okay, what do you think of that? I think that's sad. And not just because the Bible got soaked. I think it's sad because somebody didn't even know they were missing it. I have the... I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He magnified his word above all his name. And you can't remember to keep it with you all the time. Say, well, I can't carry a Bible at work yet, but thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't need to carry it. Carry it. If, I, if there's a place you can't carry it, it ought to be there. Enough for you to be able to do what he asked you to do. Enough to be able to defend and win and fight for the cause of Jesus Christ and be able to stand there. Give you the comfort and the strength that you need in the trial that you're about to walk into. Well, I can't, I can't carry, you know, it's a little awkward to carry around, by the way. If you, then maybe you need a small one that you can carry around. Or maybe you need to hide enough of it in your heart so you don't forget it. Let's go ahead and stand tonight. Maybe you feel like you just you just don't know if maybe you just haven't quite fought a good fight yet. Maybe you just don't know that you don't you haven't been worshiping well. They haven't gotten all the benefits and the comfort and the care that you need because you just haven't gotten it because you haven't stayed in it. You don't know what, what you need, but maybe tonight you may, maybe you ought to just go, hey, Lord, I've been leaving my staff laying around everywhere. I just hadn't been picking it up. Maybe tonight's the night you go, Lord, help me just to keep it with me. Lord, I haven't memorized what I ought to memorize to keep me in good in a fight. I haven't done without it. Tonight's the night. You don't, have to, you don't have to keep putting it off. You can go ahead and go, hey, you know what I need? I need my weapon. I need my sword. I, I need it. And I need to spend time in it. Father, I thank you for the night. I thank you for your goodness. I pray you'd help us. Help us, Father, to keep our sword by our side. Help us not to forget. Go into the battle and Go to worship and try to be comforted and wait for us to get out of this world. Father, help us to remember your word. Father, we love you. We pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen.